You're listening to the Reese Heath 100 podcast. Each episode, we speak to past staff and students about their memories of Reese Heath over the last hundred years. If you have some great memories to share, we would love to hear from you. Please complete the form at reeseheath100.com or call 01270 625 131. So it's Liz Parkin here for the Reese Heath 100 podcast. Today I'm talking to somebody who's not actually in our alumni network directly, but has got some interesting stories to tell about his uh, memories of his mother uh, being here and talking about being here. And he's also brought in a, an artifact, uh, a piece of history, a piece of dairy uh, and cheese making history, which I'm going to ask him to talk about shortly as well. So I'd like to welcome Peter Clark. Thank you very much for joining me today, Peter. Thank you. So you've come up from Worcester. Tell me a little bit about yourself, Peter, first of all. Well, your, your I'm farming 83, 83 years of age at the moment. Oh, are you? You look very good for 83, if I may uh, say. And I had a heart bypass and triple bypass, but valve and triple bypass about January 21. Did you really? Good heavens above. Out in Australia. Oh, my Lord. <laughs> wow. Because I got stuck with the COVID and ah. I had a stroke and... Went home, I went to do a bit of shopping, and uh, I come in out of the shop and thought, gosh, these feel a lot heavier than usual. Uh-huh. And it was the fact that I could, just couldn't carry any weight. Crikey. Got to the door, looked at where I'd parked my car. I only lived about four, mile, four minutes up the road, and got to the car, put the shopping in the boot, and leaned on the boot for a minute or two just to get my breath. Got home, I did the same again, walking from the car to the house. And my daughter-in-law said, what's the matter with you? I said, I think I've had a stroke or something. <gasps> come and sit down, she said, come and sit down. Running the hospital up and they said, give him some aspirin, we'll send an ambulance out. And my son shouted in the background, no you won't, he said, I'll take him in. Gosh. And within 20 minutes, half an hour, I was in the hospital. Another half hour, I was all wired up. Yeah. Wow. And they said, oh, come and fetch him out at 11 o'clock at night. It should be okay. Because he came over for me at 11 o'clock. And they said, no, he's got to stop him. We've been in touch with uh, South Shore Hospital in Sydney, which was another hour away. Mm-hmm. And uh, they took me in and they said, uh, you'll have your operation next Monday. Goodness gracious me. And I had the operation, but I couldn't. I couldn't walk after. Mm. It had, they'd done something to me and I just couldn't wait on my legs. And I was in hospital and rehabilitation for three months. Came out with a stick and within fortnight I was walking without one. Wow, gosh. Well, you're looking you're looking very, very fit and well now. And it must be also testament to your, your life in, in as a farmer, probably, I, that's kept you fit I and well. I think it's a hard work and early morning yeah. that did that. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So let's talk about that, that life as a farmer. And what is your connection to Reese Heath? It's quite an interesting one. Well, my mother came over and she lived in Nantwich. She did the cheese-making course. My father lived in Yorkshire. And he came here to do a poultry husbandry course. And, of course, they met. And, and I'm the result of it. Oh, <laughs> and we're thinking approximately in the 30s, this 1935 was. to 36, I would okay. think. Uh-huh, uh-huh. That was her 
sort of after school occupation. She went into cheese making. Right, okay. And uh, and she was Nantwich, they were both Nantwich based, were they? They were, well, mum was, my mother was born in Nantwich mm-hmm. at a local place. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know if you want me to mention it. Yeah, yeah. It was Kingsley Fields. Right, uh-huh. Down by the river. Lovely. And uh, Very local, very different now. That's right, very different. And she was one of eight children. She had five brothers and three sisters. And what was your mother's name? Eva Jane Taylor. Eva Jane Taylor. And I gather my colleague may have found a photograph that we didn't know at the time, but when we sent it to you, you think it was her? It looks very, very similar. Lovely. Yes. Great. And I suppose if you go through your archives, you would probably find her name. Yeah. We Um, certainly will have a good look. Yeah. And your father, what was his name? Uh, James Kenneth Clark. Okay. And he did the poultry husbandry course. And they eventually had a house in Hatherton, mm-hmm. Nantwich, and uh, a poultry farm. And it, I've always been interested in pedigree stock. I'm not one for crossing. No, don't do any crossbreeds. No, no. no. Uh, <laughs> the poultry were pure light Sussex. So the hens went into the nest boxes. A trap door went down and they couldn't get out. Yeah. So you went, got the chicken out, the hen out, read the number on the leg and put it on the egg. So the eggs went into a cage when they were hatched yeah. into the incubator, all into one little cage. And all those chickens came from that one hen. Wow. And it was the same when I worked on a farm. I always wanted to know the background of the progeny of it all the time. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, what got you then from a from parents in in sort of cheese and and chickens into you focusing on dairy and cows? Well, I've always liked cows. My father bought a small farm in Wales, in Aberystwyth, and he bought about six old cows off a family relatives Mm -hmm. and the result was we had one nice heifer calf out of the six and it was a black heifer I can see her now she was nearly all black she got one stripe down her shoulder and a bit of a star on her head Uh she had horns and we I was always interested in them and wanted to show it Mm -hmm. and we took her to a local show Aberystwyth show we got a second, I think it was. A local farmer said, oh, you want to take her down to Lampeter? That's a better show. So we took her to Lampeter and we won the show. <laughs> Brilliant. And a farmer from Carmarthen came and badgered us to buy it and he paid £350 for it. Crikey. And in, that was in, in 19... That would be in 1950... <gasps> Six fifty-seven. Wow, crikey! And what would that be in today's money? That would be a lot of money. Several thousand. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. yeah definitely. Yeah. And so that brought me in the interest into cows. Lovely. And I've milked cows ever since I went to school. Uh huh. Dad couldn't milk one of these cows that he bought. She always used to kick and everything. Ah. And I was a little bit cruel with her, but I used to give her a belt with the old air tube. And she used to stand still stand and sort of attention. thing. And, yeah, and yeah. I could milk her. Yeah, yeah. And Dad couldn't milk her. Yeah. And uh, ever since then, uh, from the age of 
uh, 10 to 16, I've always liked cows. Mm -hmm, and that, mm -hmm. that's, that was always been my life. And I've milked cows for 44 years. Brilliant. Now, I'm going to ask you about your... You have got a, a connection to um, Reese Heath and, and Genus and the herd that was here. But before we talk about that, tell me about this uh, lovely artefact that you brought with you. Well, I think that was... That was definitely my mother's. Mm -hmm. And when we had milk returned from the dairy in Wales, she always used to say, Kenneth, don't chuck that away. I want the best of that. And she would take it out into a bucket and put the rennet in it. And she'd put a muslin in the, in the press and then pour it in after it had gone curdly and put the weight on the top and we used to have cream cheese. Cream cheese, fantastic. And it, it was... Oh, yeah, it was it was just in, incredible, really. Yeah. I know my husband always talks about that that first taste of the milk when it comes off the the, the vat or the that's right, the yes, first piece yeah. of when you when you're making cheese like this. There those those got, certain memories I can see the twinkle in your eye when you remember that and that it, taste. It's, it's I, I don't know what it is, but there's something there that just clicks. That yeah, I, I, I've been in with cows all my life, and it. It's just then I happened to see this. My son-in-law came up here with the food scientist mm -hmm. and he talked about the robot. And I said, oh, I've seen that on the television. And the cow, he said the cows go in and get milk themselves. I said, yeah. I said, I've heard about that. Yeah. And that was sort of brought memories. And Lovely. that was how he said, oh, well, I'll come up to Reeseeth. Yeah. I'll go back to Reeseeth and talk to the people. And they've asked me to come up. Yeah. So you've, you've actually seen, you've had a tour of the whole I've, site today, haven't you? I've been around you? the whole site So you've today. seen now the, the modern way of making cheese, oh, yes, which has yes. nothing to do with this, this metal oh, piece no, of no, contraption no, no, here. No. Um, and you've also been to the robotics. So tell me what you think. That was your first, the first time you've ever seen robotics. Ab and absolutely our, our Lely... amazing. Absolutely amazing. I can't really visualise how cows just come in and stand there, and they even put their legs apart so they can get the machine to come through them. It's, it's absolute. Oh, I'm gobsmacked, honestly. I really yeah, am. It's great. It's so lovely to hear you talk about it because... I guess because I'm so used to robotics and, and the milkers and, and, and we talk about the future so much, to see your reaction, having not seen them at all from your, you know, no. your people, that your neighbours that are still farming and stuff now, it's Milking great. Milking originally started off with the milking machine buckets. Yeah. Then I went, one job I went, we had the buckets. Uh, and then eventually we got a pipeline. Mm -hmm. Then we got a bulk tank. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And the farmer, used to, we used to run like, Split the cows up. Uh, one lot would go through the parlour, and I used to milk in the sheds on the pipeline. Yeah. And uh, the farmer said to me, he said, the bulk tank's got to be three quarters full, otherwise it's not paying for itself. And that's how I've looked at everything, and get as much milk as possible out of mm, it, each cow. Mm, mm. And that's been my challenge. Yeah. <gasps> Every, I've had one or two ding-dongs with a couple of farm managers, and, you know, they've more or less... It's been on the verge of having the sack <laughs> because of my ways. Yeah, yeah. But they they can't do it because they've had people before, and they. I'm not bragging or blowing a trumpet, but I can get milk off a cow. Yeah, great. And it's it's a bit the same as the robot. Is you wash the cow, you massage the udder, you make sure the cow is nice and clean, 
before you put the machine on it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, and the cow knows you're going to think, and everything's quiet in the parlour. There was no loud music playing or anything like that. It was all the doors clanking and banging, mm-hmm. which was natural. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And it, it's just, yeah. just absolutely... Well, I, I was... If you'd have seen me, I'm just gobsmacked yeah, to yeah. see it, actually. Yeah. You retired from farming, did you say 2002? Two, yes. And how did you, how did you find coming out into retirement from farming? It was very, very strange. Mm. I still wake up at about quarter past four in the morning. Do you really? Gosh. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. yeah very... Have you done anything to do with animals since? No. No? Oh, gosh, no. wow. So 20 no. years. It was a big wrench. Yeah, yeah. I can well imagine. Uh, the only thing I had to do with animals since then was helping a, na- a friend out who was a woodman. Mm-hmm. Uh, I used to burn wood on a, a arger and rayburn. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And uh, he used to take the tops out of trees. The timber people would go along, drop the trees down, and he would have the tops. And because I helped him out with his stock, I had loads of timber off him, and okay. eventually that's how I... Yeah. I didn't buy coal for the Rayburn. It was all oh, wood burn. Great. So tell me about your link to receive via Genus. That was... We were using a bull through Genus, uh, and we came up to Rizzi to see the progeny of this bull. Uh, you had daughters of it, and there was a competition run by Genus for this bull, and they gave a heifer away. It was from a herd well-known down in the south of England. I can't quite remember the mm-hmm. prefix. Her name was Kitty. I know that much. And she was a... An absolute, the best heifer I've ever milked. Gosh. She'd come in the parlour, I'd wash the udder, put the machine on her, and she just let her milk go. And it, you had to hold the machine on because it, it flooded the claw of the machine. It came out that quick. Crikey. And you had to literally hold the claw on, and it she just, just... Yeah. <laughs> so she started her life here at BC? No, but I think... The, pro- the, the right. It was the progeny from yes, this bull. I see. And Reese Heath were running this bull's daughters. He, I they see. got a lot of daughters. Yeah, yeah. And we came up to see these daughters. Yeah. Gosh. And that, that was that's the only time that I came back to Reese Heath. Yeah. But of course I know it because my grandparent eventually retired just up the road at, mm-hmm. at uh, Kingsley. King no. Atherton. They no, Church Minchel. Church Minchel. <laughs> they lived at Church Minchel. <laughs> Just up the road, yeah. Yeah. And uh, they retired there. And then eventually my grandmother died about 1965, four. Mm-hmm. Just after I got married. Mm-hmm. I got married in 63. Mm-hmm. She came to my wedding in Worcester, in Shropshire. And she died soon after. I think that was the last function she had. Oh. So you've you've been today to see, well, you've seen the robotics, you've seen the food centre. You had a, the full tour of the campus, have you? I have, and I've really thoroughly enjoyed it. Oh. And the students today want to take advantage of it. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Because it is absolutely, well, it's eye-opening. Yeah. It really is.
That's lovely and, to hear. And I, I went into the canteen where they make the food and you see the chocolate-covered biscuits and everything. You see those in Marks and Spencer's and you think, well, I saw those in Marks and Spencer's last week. <laughs> and here they are making them. <laughs> Quite sure if we get them in Marks and Spencer's, but we certainly do approve of the older field to fork uh, agenda and make sure that a lot of what we produce for our students is is made here yes. and farmed here well, as well. Obviously, other other bakers are obviously yeah. seeing what you're doing yeah. here and they're making it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, and the donuts and things like that. Yeah. Oh, I bought a packet of four donuts from Sainsbury's last week. <laughs> well, Peter, it's been an absolute pleasure talking to you and thank you so much. It's lovely that you've been able to come and have a visit today and even more lovely that you've been able to take part in our Reese Heath 100 podcast. So thank you very much indeed for your time. Thank you very much. You're listening to the Reese Heath 100 podcast. Each episode, we speak to past staff and students about their memories of Reese Heath over the last hundred years. If you have some great memories to share, we would love to hear from you. Please complete the form at reeseheath100.com or call 01270 625 131.